0: Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect.
1: Okay, we're live. Hi, Linda. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Thank you for joining me.
0: Okay, well, it's nice to be here.
1: Yeah, I've... um. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. I think I asked Terry if you could do this with me about a year ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, I had a lot of time to think about what we might talk about. And um, like all things, I usually don't make quick decisions. I just let it sit and see what comes to me and makes sense. And um, today's episode about the misunderstandings of psychology, and um, I'd just like to share a bit about my own journey in in that misunderstanding where i started off where i ended up you know and what kind of what did i see and um recently somebody said that um this podcast sounds really arrogant like like we have all the answers and all other approaches are wrong you know and i just wanted to say that that you know what where i'm coming from is just my what i've seen myself you know it's not about right or wrong or this is the only way and there's no other way it's just that know this has been my personal journey what happened to me my direct experience and how it looked before and how it looks now you know it's just um where I want to share from and um you know like my journey into the world of psychology into the into the trainings and stuff started in a in a um with a sense of desperation to get help for myself you know that's where i was you know I, I you often hear people talking about um you know the wounded healer you know and it's like that's exactly you know i'd suffered my whole life i mean that's another story but you know i'd be, like i've been in and out of mental health institutions i've been struggling with addiction i'd been involved in crime and chaos and i'd found some sort of I call it normality it looked normality at the time you know but i was still suffering even though i wasn't um self-destructing with chemicals anymore you know I was still self-destructing with food or still self-destructing with relationships with sex with pornography with um prescription medication with anything i just wasn't taking street drugs and alcohol anymore you know and um so that was the start of my journey and i thought becoming a therapist would um, find me all the answers that I was looking for, you know, and find me some sense of um, peace inside. And um, I remember back then, you know, people, friends and colleagues, I had a lot of colleagues that were counsellors and therapists and in around the world of addiction. And back then, they used to say to me, you know, searching is your problem, you need to stop searching, you know, you need to stop looking, you just need to accept how it is. I really didn't understand what that meant. You know, it's kind of like, how do you do that? How do you just stop searching? You know, it's like when you have this um, real sense of suffering and dis-ease within yourself. And um, so I kept searching, you know, it was, it was an endless search. I'd been searching my whole life, uh, you know, in, in addiction, in food, in relationships, in everything I could ever since I was old enough to, to, you know, to, to start thinking i guess um and so i trained in multiple modalities of therapy and, and it's like and um what i remember about my longest four-year training was that my life got considerably worse during the training you know and um and because it was all about digging up the past you know and it was like i was led to believe that somehow um if I was willing to face my trauma, I lost my dad to an accident when I was five, my dad went out and he never came back, he was killed in an accident. And um, this was this was the story that I'd carried with me my whole life that I was the victim of this childhood experience. And that that was the creation of all my suffering. And um, I was told in my therapy training that I needed to go back to that and re-experience it and sort of come to terms with it in a different way and learn to be at peace with it, you know? So, so a lot of the training as a therapist that I did was experiential where I was the guinea pig, so to speak, you know, as the volunteer, you know, and, and so it just felt very dark that whole time. You know, I remember being in a, having a horrendous depression, you know, my daughter, who's now, 11 was then two or three and and every morning I used to go in um, to her room and sort of watch from the door just to see if I could see her little chest moving up and down in the bed to see if she was still alive and if I couldn't see her as kids often do she was nestled under the covers somewhere she was so little in a big bed I'd go over and I'd put my hand slowly into the bed until I could feel some sense of warmth in there and i remember feeling that warmth and feeling this huge sense of relief you know because my life was just felt so dark at that time and um you know i really like if i didn't have a you know suicide at that time has really seemed like a, a um a great way out if i didn't have a child and i hadn't lost a parent myself you know perhaps that would have been more of an option But anyway, I went through that and it's like, I remember at the end of that training, them saying, okay, now you can go out and open a a practice, you know, you can go and open a therapy practice. And I thought, how can I help anyone be happy or find any sense of peace of mind? I'm so miserable. I'm so depressed. In fact, all the other people that I know that are therapists, they're all saying how great their lives are. But when you really get to know them, they're all just as fucked up as I am, you know? And it's like, and I really didn't know anyone that was happy. You know, I really, I honestly didn't know anyone. Um, so I went into doing other trainings and I trained in NLP and I trained in CBT and I trained as a counselor as well. And I went and did all the Tony Robbins processes. And, um, I mean, I spent time and money in all those things trying to find answers, trying to find, trying to find peace of mind. And, um, You know, I see that searching today that that was the best thing that I had. That was my intuition that there was home. You know, there was a place of peace inside of me, you know, and I was just looking in the wrong places. And, you know, all those things happened. I mean, and you can call it mind or coincidence or the universe but I remember after I did Tony Robbins I was um and I've told this story to Michael Neil, it was quite funny because I did super coach with Michael and stuff like that you know and and that's where my journey ended up but after I did Tony Robbins um I had also had a quite a a good career in i.t and um i joined tony robbins and i joined this support group and um my role in this support group was to provide um videos motivational videos and stuff like that you know that we could find from around the internet and i had to somebody gave me a login for hay house where there was um a course on there called the path of effortless change by michael neill and um i was listening to that you know and, and the only way i could um the only way i could record it or keep it or or save it to share with people was to actually watch it i had to record the screen you know because i couldn't find a way to record it and as i've got this video playing of michael Neal talking i just kept finding myself mesmerized by what he was saying and i was just looking at the screen and listening i still feel touched by that you know um It didn't feel like it was something that I chose, you know. But Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what I was hearing, you know. I just knew that there was something in it for me, you know. There was Mm -hmm. something more to hear there. And um, I heard this video, you know, and it was like for some reason I just knew I had to go and see who this guy was, you know. And it was like Mm -hmm. uh, a year later, I... um, found myself at Michael's house doing an intensive for three days. And, um, and then joining super coach. <laughs> and, um, and, and in those three days, I, I remember um, knowing something very, very clearly, that all the years that I'd spent training as a therapist, all the things that I'd done, were not useful things for people to know. There was nothing mm-hmm. to learn in the past that mm-hmm. that was not helpful um, to mm-hmm. people. And there was something else that was more helpful for people to understand because in, in that short space of time, two and a half days with Michael, I just felt free and I felt calm and I felt at peace for the first time. And... I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how I would share it at that time. I didn't know how I my work with people would change. Um, but it, you know, that's literally, that was the start of this, you know, the start of the just seeing beyond sort of trying to take people into their past, trying to use processes and techniques that were giving people some sort of answer, you know? And, and that's really where I'd love to hand it over to you, you know, That's, that was my journey in that world. And kind of then, oh. and from there on in, it's been, a, you know, there's so much more, but it's been a beautiful and different experience in working with people from my perspective, you know.
0: Well, you've had quite a life. You've had quite a life. <laughs> yeah. quite a life. Um, you know, I think I'll, given that you started with your journey, I think I'll start with mine.
1: Yeah,
0: And I remember when I was 18 feeling like uh, I wasn't enough, that I didn't feel like I had it in me to function successfully as an adult. So I thought, well, I'll go into psychology and I'll figure myself out and I'll help people and all will be really good. So that's what I did. I went into psychology and I remember learning techniques and I had my people, I had families and I had individuals and groups that I was applying my techniques to. And it was all very exciting and people would get kind of, I don't know, cheered up or, intellectually interested, but no change happened. And, you know, I was young and I believed in change. I thought, well, how come I'm applying all these techniques? How come people aren't changing? So I would go to my instructors and I'd say, look, I'm applying all these techniques, people aren't changing. They said, well, just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. So I did, and I would go back and I would say again to my instructors, "They're, they're not changing. And at one point I had the realization and I know exactly where I was. I was walking across this overpass from the lower campus of the University of Washington to the upper campus over this overpass in the middle of the overpass i had the realization they don't know they do not know how people change Mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of my journey i quit school moved to california at the time and this would have been in the in the mid 70s when est was at its peak and life spring and all of these new age kind of called cutting edge uh, uh, self-improvement new psychology movements. And I did everything. I did everything. I signed up for everything and I kept learning things. But when I would step back, I would find my feeling. It was like, I would always be a little harder and a little more unhappy, a little more dissatisfied. It, and I was puzzled by that because I was learning very interesting techniques and interventions. And yet my feeling wasn't as happy. My feeling wasn't as for life, wasn't as enthusiastic. My feeling for life was more serious. And that was puzzling to me but I wouldn't think about it. I would just carry on. By happenstance, serendipity, I came across Sydney Banks. I went to one of his seminars. Um, because my husband's partner at the time, John Enright, had gone to one of his seminars. And he said to us, I see people changing, I see people getting affected. I don't know what Sydney Banks is doing. I don't see a technique, I do not see a process. I want you guys to go up and see if you can figure out the technique and the process that he's using to affect people. So we went up to Salt Spring. We were living in San Francisco at the time in Point Richmond. So we drove up to Salt Spring in our in our Volkswagen station wagon. And um, John, it was up there at the time and it's very, very small community, um, very small town in, on Salt Spring called Ganges, much bigger now. And we found um, people that ha- had been listening to Sid and we found John and we went to one of Sid's seminars. Now, George, like like John, was intrigued with how Sid was affecting people. Now, my experience was, I had no idea what he was talking about, what Sid was talking about. It just seemed like nonsense to me, and yet Sid seemed like a really nice person. I could tell people were being affected, but in my mind, they were too positive. And it bothered me that they were too positive. Okay. So what happened is that because we were psych- we were into psychology, Sid invited us to his house after the seminar because he was really interested in the fact that we were professionals. Like we were the first professional people that had come to listen to him. Professional people. So we went to his house and we had this conversation with him. He said, well, what do you do with people? How do you help them? Well, we put them through these processes. You know, we have them, you know, get into their negative feelings and we have them get into their negative emotions. And we do, you know, uh, early, earlier similar incidents. And we get them into their past and, you know, get over their past. And, and he says to us, does it work? We said, well, what do you mean? Well, do they get better? Do they get what they want? And when he, when he said that we both realized that we didn't know. We didn't know. And we were embarrassed. Mm-hmm. We were embarrassed. It's like we felt caught out. Because we didn't know. It's like we were too busy doing our processes on people. To find out, even to ask them, well, are you getting what you want? And at the time, if people got divorced, we'd feel like that was good because they were getting divorced sooner than later. So um, it was very that conversation with Sid was very upsetting. And so we wanted to leave. And so we we left, we quickly left because we were like very flustered by it and embarrassed by it. And it wasn't like Sid was attacking. He was just curious. He was just asking, but we felt attacked. So anyway, on the way home, we drove home. We stopped at a friend's house in Eugene, Oregon, who was the head of a mental health uh, community center. We told him about our experience. Next thing I find out, like six months later, we find find out that our friend Roger had gone up to Soul Spring and had been listening to Sid quite a bit, going up quite a bit and listening to him. And when we met up with him and talked to him, I could see a dramatic change. It's like in my mind for the first time in my life, I saw somebody change. He changed, and it really, really affected me—the change in him. So I thought, if he can change, I can change. And so I went up to Salt Spring and I sat in front of Sid in the front row for I don't know how long, and listened to Sid and totally didn't understand what he was saying. And I called Roger and I complained. I see Roger. I'm listening to Sid. I don't, I, I'm not getting it. I'm not changing. And Roger said, well, you're not listening. Not listening. So yes, I am. I'm listening as hard as I can. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about what he's saying. I'm comparing, I'm contrasting, I'm analyzing, I'm active listening. I'm, I'm listening. He says, no, no, that's the wrong kind of listening. You're, you're, thinking you're not listening you're thinking and I was like what do you mean I'm thinking I'm listening I'm I'm listening I'm I'm thinking about what he's saying that's listening he says no no you have to listen with nothing on your mind well I couldn't listen with it my mind was so busy with thought it was so overstimulated and so busy with thought that I couldn't hear him I couldn't hear anything new. So, but I was stubborn and I was, and I still had the thought if Roger can change, I can change. So I would go back and I would do it again. I'd sit in the front row and I would listen the best I could. So, and I don't know, to be honest, Jason, I don't know. It seemed like I did this for two years. I don't really remember how long, but it seemed like two years. And then one day, when I one time when I was sitting there listening to sit, it's like I just all of a sudden I had an insight. I had this massive insight about moods. And that's what troubled me in my life was moods. I had a problem with moods. That's what I felt, why I felt there was something wrong with me, because I had a, I would have big moods and the moods would overcome me and i'd have to stop my life and you know kind of sit with my moods until i got over them and i had this huge insight about moods and it totally and completely changed my experience of moods and as a result moods were no longer a problem to me and i was oh my and i thought oh my god that's change that's the change that i'm looking for that's the change that i wanted that's the change that i wanted for my clients where something that was problematic psychologically would totally reshuffle itself and not be an issue or a problem anymore that's true change and i and i realized how it happened it happens through insight and i was looking in the wrong place i was looking in the known i was looking in my intellect i wasn't looking in a deeper a deeper place for ch- i wasn't Understanding that change did not come, insight did not come from the intellect. It came from someplace else. And so I realized, I realized how change happened. The question that I had when I was 18, why I went to school in psychology was to find out how change happened. And I I found out how it happened through this man, Sidney Banks, who I wasn't even looking for who wasn't even a psychologist. Basically, he was a welder that had an epiphany and he saw how people functioned psychologically and spiritually in a very practical, very vernacular way. He saw how people functioned and he explained how the mind worked. He explained how change happened. So I became a student. And that was the beginning of my working with people from a whole different model than a traditional model from using techniques and processes. It's like it's it's all about showing how helping people to be honest. What I do with people is I help them see how to get into a reflective mind so that they can get the kind of thinking they need new thought. To solve their own problems it's that simple i help them get in a reflective mind in a different feeling and i'm really good at it and helping people get into a different mind mm-hmm. into a different state of mind where they can find the kind of thinking where they solve their own problems because that's what happened to me when i was listening to sid i had insights i I saw what to do with mood. I saw how to see mood. It wasn't like Sid told me. He wasn't even talking about moods when I had an insight about moods. I don't even know what he was talking about. I don't remember what he was talking about. But he was talking about something that, and all of a sudden I had this insight. But that's what was interesting about people that listen to Sid, Sid would say the same thing and everybody's insights would be different about different issues in their lives. Because he would change the feeling. He would change the feeling in people. When you would listen to him, he would change the feeling. Your feeling would change. And from that feeling change, you get different thinking. So it's so simple, so simple. It's all about the feeling. It's all about the state of mind you're in because from different states of mind, people have different thoughts from low states of mind. They have darker, deeper, more pessimistic thinking from lower states of mind, from higher states of mind. They have lighter, more productive, more creative thinking. And everybody's the same. When people are in lower states, they have predictable low thinking. When people are in higher states, they have predictable higher thinking. And people have free will to lower their state of mind. They have free will to let their state of mind go up. So that's my story. So in a way, I mean, I was troubled like you, not to the the degree that you were troubled, but it was the same thing. I thought there was something wrong with me. I mean, you thought there was something wrong with you. I thought there was something wrong with me. Maybe you acted out more behaviorally than I did. Mm. You know, in terms of drugs or criminal activity, you acted out more than I did. But nonetheless, I still suffered from, my, from mood, from from depression. But I found the answer in in the understanding of of how to change through insight. So if you want to talk about a different model, traditional model is about content of your mind, like they kind of try to reshuffle the content or have you relook at content. Whereas the principle-based understanding is about insight learning, change through insight doesn't have to do with the content of your thinking the content of your past the content of your habits it's about understanding them through insight through new thought and insight is just new thought
1: i've got a funny story about that you know um <clears throat> i think firstly thanks for sharing that story It was i've actually read a similar version in paradigm shift in the book you know about those early experiences that you had and um it's really cool to hear that you know and and how it sort of came about and kind of similar to mine where i just you know heard something you know didn't know what i'd heard but there was noticing Mm -hmm. of, of something changing you know and 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 a deeper knowing that there's something more to be seen here, even though it didn't make sense intellectually in any way. It just kind of like there was something pulling me in that direction, and um,
0: and that that's that's the key. And the problem is that people don't trust that. See, they don't trust. They don't. It's not enough that they hear something and shift. Hear something. They want to know why and how, and they want to think about it. It's see, that's, it's so simple and so invisible. That's why it's hard for people.
1: I think the, my funny story is I did a podcast with um, Tom Kelly, with Dr. Thomas Kelly. uh uh-huh. I'd read a lot of his academic papers. I'd I'd, because I I write a lot about the subject of addiction. I work in the field of addiction and uh, I referenced his papers quite a lot, so I was really excited to do the podcast. And I thought, we're going to have this real um, complicated explanation of trauma and how trauma works, you know? And it was like, and I was telling my friends, oh, I'm doing a podcast with Tom Kelly. It's going to be great. And after the podcast, one of my friends said, how did it go? And I said, it was terrible you didn't really say that much you know and, and i always listen back to my podcast so about just before i released it i went back to the podcast and i listened to it but i got really quiet switched everything off sat down and i listened to it and i make notes you know i kind of listen for stuff and as i was listening back to it i just had this huge insight and i thought oh it's me that thought it was going to be complicated that made me realize it that made me think it wasn't that good what it all he was saying was was that if people could just see the relationship between thought and experience then their relationship with trauma would be different and i just thought it's me that was complicating it it was me that was conditioned to think i was going to get some sort of complicated um mm-hmm. deep academic explanation of the problem and the solution to it uh, and that kind of you know that was huge for me when i listened back to that i was like i couldn't believe how i had like set myself up you know not to hear the simplicity of what he was sharing Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that that's almost like what where most people are at there it's like there's a societal conditioning that that if you need help, you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you get medication, or you get a mental health diagnosis, or you do a talking therapy, or more recently, you do EMDR, or CBT, or whatever is the, the latest in thing, you know, and it's like you go to someone who's studied who's got a professional qualification, who knows their stuff, and you find a solution, you know, and these people are well educated. And that's kind of like the a common belief amongst pe- anyone, you know, where do you go if you need help, well you go to one of those people. So the idea that it's really much simpler than that, you know, it's kind of like I think um, you know, Sid often talks about when I listen to his tapes and stuff, you know, like and his videos, that it's too simple. It's too simple for us to understand because we we, we want to look for the complicated solution because mm-hmm. we think we've got a complicated or a complex problem. And when That's someone right. says it's so simple. We just can't get that, you know?
0: That's exactly right. That's, you're spot on, right? Yep.
1: It's, it's quite difficult. It was quite difficult for me to, um, to let go of all that training, what I'd done, you know, like I said, especially because I'd spent a lot of money on it over years. And um, my sort of, I think what we tend to do as well, what I certainly did was attach our sense of identity to what we've done. You know, it's like, oh, I'm a therapist. I'm experienced in this. I'm specialized in trauma. I know all these things. And it's like just letting go of all that, seeing that there was nothing to see there. You know, there was nothing to do there. And it was like there was this much simpler solution that had a lot of answers. And I think ever since, I mean, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day. I said, you know, I used to like doing trainings and I used to like doing learning new things. And there's so many new things that come out that people talk about. But it just doesn't look like there's anything more valuable for somebody to know than how their experience is being created at this moment for me, still. It just doesn't look like there's anything more valuable for people to know than that. After that, I don't know. You know, it's like whatever they do is whatever they do. But when what I've noticed in my own practice is that um, very quickly people have that transformational experience that you talked about. You know, they start to see, um, I, like, I like to ask, does a fish know it's swimming in water? You know, it's like, do, do we really know that we're living in that world of thought? And um, and when people just get a glimpse of that, you know, things change drastically really quickly, rather than that long, drawn-out process that I used to take people on that I went on many times, you know, for, mm-hmm. for myself. And um, I just can't get away from that looking like the most obvious thing to point people to, you know.
0: When I when I had that insight about how people change or how I changed. I felt safe, I felt now I know, I know how people change. I know how I change, I know where change comes from. And as soon as I, I knew that I felt safe, I felt like I didn't have to, I didn't have to do anything anymore. In other words, I knew where the answers came from. And so I felt like I just didn't have to, I didn't have to try to change or try to help myself. or There just wasn't anything wrong that I couldn't fix through insight. So I would just relax, so I relaxed about my life. I relaxed about my life and just lived it. And then if something came up that bothered me, I would think, okay, well, I just need a new thought. And where does new thought come from? It comes from the greater mind that comes from mind, the intelligence, the greater mind, the intelligence of all life that we're all connected to because we have our personal mind and then we're connected to the greater mind. And that's where, New thought comes. So, and I'm connected to that. So the new thought is available. Inside is available. I just need to wake up to it. So with that understanding, I could just relax about my life, live my life. And I knew that I could find answers if I needed them. They're always available. Now, sometimes I didn't get them on my time frame. You know, it's like, I want the answer now but I would always find my answer at some point because the answer is always there. You know, if the question's there, the answer's there.
1: I think I've noticed myself as I've, um, as I've gone on in this understanding, as you know, I've had reflected upon my own experience over the years with a, looking in a different direction you know looking inwardly rather than outwardly to, you know for an understanding of myself and my experience of being human and been willing to <clears throat> pay less attention to my insecurity and my fears and mm-hmm. to just live life in that mm-hmm. unknown place you know and just mm-hmm. to trust that um there's not so much to do. And it's nothing really that serious going on here, you know, and that there's nothing wrong with me. And that um, it's it's been a really exciting journey, you know, it's been a completely different experience mm-hmm. of being alive. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um, you know, when I work with people now with addictions, with um, eating disorders, people who've struggled for years and stuff like that, it's like, you know, I, I, the same as for me, I don't talk about what they come to get help with, you know, it's like, I don't want to talk about that, you know, and it's quite funny to notice that people say after a while, Oh, that, that problem, yeah, it doesn't seem to exist anymore, or it just kind of went away or it's just got better for some reason. I don't know why, you know, it's kind of like, I always just have a little smile to myself inside and think that's so cool how that happens, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's very cool.
1: I mean, if if a lifetime of searching, you know, and trying to find answers, and you know, a, an endless list of diagnoses and years of med- being medicated and locked away and so on, you know, just dissolves in a in a momentary realization. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's kind of magical. You know, in my mm-hmm. eyes, you know, how that can happen. You know, how mm-hmm. it can be so free, and mm-hmm. how life can be so joyful and. You can be in awe and wonder about mm-hmm. the smallest things about nature about just being alive just meeting yes. a random stranger in the street you know something like that it's like it just looks so miraculous to me you know how that comes mm-hmm. about after after just so much mm-hmm. um so many attempts to try and find that thing you know
0: well i think one of the most and you you, you stated this one of the most beautiful things that I learned uh, that was such a misunderstanding is the importance of the past. You know, the past is not important. The past is just memory brought into the present. And it's, if, if you don't make the past important, and if you don't search for answers in the past, you're okay. And that's what people do that, that creates torment is they try to, fix the past or they try to search in the past or they try to you know reconstruct the past in a way or dwell in the past and that just hurts them you know just hurts them psychologically and I didn't know that until Sid you know talked about look the past is gone it's just memory and and it just you just bring it into the moment doesn't exist anymore past doesn't exist anymore. It's just memory. Forget about it. You'd say, forget about it. Just forget about the past. It's gone. It's over. Now that's such a relief. If you can realize that, you know, have that uh, understanding as an insight, if you can realize that, that the past is just memory brought into the moment, it's dead, it's gone. You can forget about it. Your mental health would be stellar. A person's mental health would be stellar if they could just leave the leave the past alone, forgive it. Another way of saying leave it, forgive it. But that was one of the biggest learnings is to leave the past. Just leave it. It's gone.
1: Most people have had some exposure to some... Uh, expert you know like who talks about like um some certain subject matters and I think for me you know an insight that I had not immediately but when we talk about addiction or trauma or any of those subjects that seem to have some experts out there you know um it was like yeah I understand how this thought thing works and how you know how I've created this story and suffered from it for all these years but what about what about addiction? What about um, trauma? You know, that seems like something beyond that, you know, it seems like something where there's a a whole um, conversation around the world and there's loads of subject matter experts with different opinions. And that seems like something more complicated than this, you know, that was, and that big realization was like, Oh, like even that, you know, even that is created in the same way, you know?
0: Yeah. It's still the past. Yeah. It may be a stronger, more negative past than other people, but it's still the past. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing.
1: I heard it talked about before, you know, about how we underestimate the impact of presence with a person, you know, who. who who is really struggling you know and often there's times in sessions with clients where there's there's not too much to say, you know but there's a, there's a there's a real sense of a feeling present in the room you know mm-hmm. and then people come back and they say, I felt so much better you know but not too much was said you know nothing yeah. was really said you know and that that's, I think that's what Sid was talking about you know like the feeling you know all the time the good feeling that um, what people are looking for. And they come out of when you're just present with them, they seem to come out of their own thinking about themselves, about their diagnosis, about their problem, about themselves, about their story, and just. Um, you know, become present and they experience all the things that they've been searching for outside of themselves, you know, in, mm-hmm. in relationships, in, in chaos, in chemicals, you know, in every way. And they have mm-hmm. that momentary realisation that, oh, what I've been looking for is available right here, right now, mm-hmm. in this moment when I'm quiet, you know, when I'm just mm-hmm. here, yeah. with nothing on my yeah. mind. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting a lot of, you know, work with people, um with addictions and oftentimes the problem with people that have addictions not always but often it's they have a very busy mind people with addiction and really what they're trying to do through addiction is quiet their thinking so it makes sense in fact you know it it makes sense that people use drugs as a coping mechanism to quiet their minds because their minds are going too fast, you know, or the content of their minds are too, the content, the thinking is too painful. So they use drugs to quiet their minds because they have a busy mind. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And if people can realize it's just thought, it's just thought, it's just thought that's tormenting them it's just thought it's just a busy mind of of thought if they can realize that then they're free they're free from a busy mind so there's all kinds of ways to help people quiet their mind like you said Listening, you know, just being present and listening to people, you know, and let them talk can quiet their minds. The presence can affect people and they can quiet their mind. And sometimes just talking to them about why they're troubled. They're troubled because they have a busy mind. And sometimes people just saying that they wake up to their, I didn't realize I had such a busy mind. And that realization quiets them. So there's many ways, you know, to quiet people's to go about quieting people's minds. Mm. And like you said, listening or presence is one. And sometimes just waking, like waking them up to it by by telling them, "Gee, you've got a busy mind." That's another. But I don't think it really matters how you. That's why there's no technique, because you know you talk to people like they're real people. You have conversations with them, and and you're moving in the, and in the direction of more understanding. Like if they have a busy mind, you're looking to quiet their mind. If they're caught up in the past, you're looking to help them. You know, see the past It's just memory that's brought into the moment that you can't fix it. There's nothing to do about it but forget about it forgive it mm. so depending what they come with you this you you clear up the misunderstandings that they have like people that are depressed you know like there's a misunderstanding of there's just too much negative thinking that creates a cu- cumulative amount of bad feeling that that diminishes spirit and you help them you know you don't have to think as pessimistically is negatively and you lighten them up i mean there's so much it's just a misunderstanding about the use of thought the misunderstanding of how people use thought like with me and Moods. my misunderstanding was i was afraid of them that was my misunderstanding and i real when i realized i didn't have to be a afraid of my moods I stopped they stopped being problematic but my misunderstanding was a misuse of thought it's a misuse of thought I was using I had be afraid of moods that was my misunderstanding Hmm. and I realized oh I don't have to be afraid of moods they're just moods You have to be afraid of it. Mm. So that's, I mean, to to show people the misunderstanding of thought, don't you think it's really, it's great work. It's really a wonderful thing to do, a wonderful service to people Mm. to show them how they're misusing their thinking. They're using their thinking against themselves. It's
1: a great job. It's the most magical experience in the world, you know, just to be yeah. with somebody having that realization, you know, because it's yeah. like they just become so light and you can see the um, their whole demeanor, their body language, their face change. And like maybe yeah. next time you speak to them, they're like, oh, I don't know what you said, but like mm-hmm. everything looks really different now. And it's like yeah. such a privilege and a, and a magical experience to witness that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think we've come to about an hour and it's, um, that was a, a beautiful conversation and um, certainly some, you know, good reflections for me on my own journey and some, some looking back at my own realizations throughout this process. Um, you know, it never ceases to amaze me, the place that I came from when I talk about it to people. They sometimes say, you, was that really your life? Yeah. You know, was you really that crazy? You know, and it's kind yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, you know, I was. And it's sometimes a bit surreal to, to look back at it and think that's actually well, what it was like. It's
0: wonderful that you found your way out and it's wonderful that you're helping other people find their way out. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. You know, it's really a wonderful thing that happened to you. I mean, that you found your way out.
1: Yeah.
0: And that you're helping others. Yeah.
1: yeah. So thank you for doing this with me. Yeah,
0: you're welcome. Thank, thank you for asking.
1: And um, is there any less, have you got, doing any, I'm sure you're doing something, but like, is there anything you're doing at the moment that you want to mention, programs coming up and things?
0: Um, do I, actually, Um. Not, I mean, we're doing, um, we're doing more projects like, um, I'm working less with people and doing more like we're doing an online practitioner's program. Now we're working on an online practitioner's program and, um, and we're writing books. So I'm actually, um, you know, doing less and less, uh, coaching and less and less intensives and No, I'm not doing, this is probably my last interview that I'll do. I'm just doing, you know, I'm just working less and doing more projects that will be available online and books.
1: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for all the awesome work and the things that you create in the world because it's definitely made a difference to me. Well,
0: I'm leaving it to you. I'm leaving (laughs) it to you to work with people.
1: Cool. Well, thank you very much.
0: All right. All right, take care.